Welcome to The Sending Space. In this episode, I'm just sharing with you the audio from our recent Gospel Community Leaders meeting. So we, we gathered, uh, we had dessert, uh, we just kind of spent time sharing together what we've seen God do over the course of this year. And that part, man, I'm sorry that any of you that had to miss out from that because it was incredible just to hear stories about um, God being faithful, about uh, times when leaders were nervous that, uh, you know, there were too many people coming or the groups getting um, weird or, um, you know, people aren't reaching out or people aren't happy with it. And just seeing how God would show up time and again and reframe what it was that that we're doing and, and how um, the group kind of has rallied around that. And, um, and then just, you know, stories of individual people that were helped and that were touched and moved. And um, I mean, there's so many stories that we've heard the last couple of years of ways that people have been blessed by our church body, not because of the sermons or because of some kind of official program or outreach from the staff, but through gospel communities. So we spent a decent amount of time just sharing some of those stories, encouraging each other in that. And then we got into, um, I just kind of shared like a state of the union in a sense of here's where we're at, here's where we've come these past couple of years, along with some things about where what we need to look at, look at and work on um, for the future, kind of as, as we go through the summer here and as we get into next year, what do we need to focus on? So here's that recording. This year has been good for me because as I said, we've been... We're two years in. First year, it was like, let's just like make sure everything rolls and that we're okay and everything. And this year, it's been, um, it's been a little weird for me. Christina was sharing like it's, there's some discouragement, but then you see God working in it. And so year two is weird because there's not all the excitement of, oh, we're going to try something brand new and it's shiny and exciting. Year two, you're kind of facing like, okay, it worked great for some. It didn't work great for others. What are we going to do with that? And, um, and so Anyways, it, it's, been, it's been interesting, and we didn't do all the, like, you guys remember the, the first round, those of you who are here for the first round, we did, like, four weeks with just the leaders, then we did another four weeks with the um, core teams, and so we just, like, poured so much into, like, let's all get on this vision, and Ryan was preaching on it on Sunday mornings, and this year we invited in, but it wasn't nearly the, like, hullabaloo, a word I never use, but I'm busting out for you guys, uh, that we had the first time, and so, um, so it's interesting, but I... So I kind of, you know, was taking stock because I'm thinking about how are we going to kind of close out the year or whatever. So we started last year with 13 groups. Um, we had some groups that we, um, you know, shifted into oblivion. Didn't want to say dead. Shifted into oblivion. Um, you know, just for whatever reason, they just, you know, kind of didn't, didn't pull through or they combined or whatever. Um, this year, though, we've had 18 groups. And I feel like that's, that's great. I mean, that's five more than we even started with. Um, that feels awesome to me. Last year, we had about um, 300 people in, in the church that were like accounted for in our groups. Um, this year, I think a conservative number is 350 people. So we are, we are stepping up. And I, I, like, I don't totally know, but as I talk to people in other churches and everything, we have 350 people that are accounted for in groups in a church that has an average attendance of 400 on a Sunday. And that feels crazy to me. I mean, I think if you... If you look at the number of people that would say Creekside's my church home, I think it's around 800 people. And the fact that nearly half of those people are in... Now, we all know, right? It's not means, doesn't mean they're there every single week, right? But it means that 350 or so people in our church would say, oh, yeah, I, like, this is the group that I'm like, a part of. And I, I think that's huge. I'm, I'm so encouraged by that. I think we have a lot more to go. Um, I think that to a certain extent, the the flexibility that we're talking about with it has allowed that to work for some people. We have a few folks in our um, group that are 
super apologetic, like, oh, we never, we never get to come. We're like very rarely there. But we say, hey, it's, a, it's okay. You're, you're part of us. Like we, we care about you. We want you to have a place to go when you can go. And it's been really good that way. So um, another thing in terms of like where we are is the, is the culture of it. Um, so I think this has been a big this feels to me like a big shift. Drew's the life group historian because he's been around with it and caring about this for a really long time. And John knows even more than Drew does about all this stuff. For me, what I sense in it, and this, so some of this is me conflating Creekside's past with other churches I've been a part of. But um, um, I see a culture that is brewing and developing. You guys going to be able to hear me with that on? Yeah, hang on, hang on. Or is on it. Good. I think I beat her, but uh, anyway, either way. Yeah, she's going to turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so I see a culture where we're, we're, um, we're really getting to know people's lives. So I think, the be- I think the best life groups that we've had prior, the, the traditional Bible study like approach, small group approach, has functioned a lot like how our best gospel communities are functioning. So I, like, I hear stories from Drew and other people about that level of care too. What I've seen in a lot of other churches where I've led um, traditional small groups is it's, it's really a Bible study and we do pray together and things like that, but there's not a lot that happens outside of that. I've seen this year um, and in the last couple of years, I see a high level of care that a lot of people have received in the church. So I've you know, shared some of this, but you guys can think of it, stories. You guys know some pretty amazing stories, Silva's, that have happened in your group. Um, the, uh, the Finns caring for the Coopers as the Cooper had their baby you know, just extremely young, and they've just been like rock stars at stepping in and caring for them. Um, we have this, we, I have a group of people that are um, really nice people, but I'm frustrating them like crazy because they came to me um, about a year ago and they're like, hey, we want to do a uh, care ministry where we're going and we're visiting people in the hospitals. John's been with me on this. And we're like, okay, that's great. That's an admirable goal. As soon as some, a need arises, we'll let you know and we'll kind of send you in and whatever. But they've been really frustrated because it's, there's not many things that are coming up. And that's not just because people aren't getting sick or hurt or whatever. What's happening is people are going to the hospital. People are experiencing a death or a need. And there are, it does not make any sense for me to send in a stranger from Creekside to go to that situation because they're already surrounded by gospel communities. And that, I've seen that happen again and again and again, and I love that. I mean, I, I love that so much, and it's not just because it means I don't have to go to the hospital. Um, it, it just means that it's, it's people, people know before Ryan or I know. People know before the elders know, you know, and, um, and they're, they're there. And so it's a lot of it's just us checking in and just saying, hey, um, can we like supplement what your gospel community is doing? Is there anything? But there's, there's people that they already know, that they already have a relationship, and um, yeah, we've just, we've just seen that happen a lot of times of just um, some pretty awful situations and people together bearing the burden of that more than just what one person can do. And I think that's a huge win. Um, another thing in terms of the culture of it all is um, I haven't had to, um, so we have 350 or so people. I haven't had to match make very many of those connections. So most of you have had me be like, hey, could you guys reach out to so-and-so a couple or whatever? But the vast majority of people that are in the groups, it wasn't because um, Becca and I were working to place them in a group. It's because you guys have been just inviting people in or people in your, even better, people in your groups are inviting people in. We're getting frustrated because we feel full right now. This summer is going to entail a 
multiplication for us as well. And it's cool hearing some of you guys talk about the same thing. Um, but it gets frustrating because you're like, um, oh, man, we have so many people coming. And then, you know, someone in our group will be like, oh, we invited so-and-so. Is that okay? And it's like, officially, yes. But I don't want, <laughs> you know, I want them there because we're too. But it's amazing because they're picking up on the culture and they're inviting people in. And that's how growth has been happening by and large. And I, I love that. I mean, that is such a massive win um, in terms of a church culture where, um, Everything I, everything I see outside of what we're doing as I talk to different people is um, we create the program, we stand up in front of everybody, we sell them on the program, we have the sign-ups in the back, come sign up for this thing and we will place you and everything. I love how little of that like advertising sales pitch motif we're doing um, and it's just because it, most of it, a lot of it is happening naturally. I want to see more of it happen but I feel like there's a genuine culture shift happening in the last couple of years where people are just in, in things like the, the world relief thing with the refugees. It's like I had zero to do with that. You know, they just did it and they invited, they talked to their group and they did it. And many of you guys have done similar things and it's really cool to see. Um, so, so Ryan and I are part of these cohorts with other pastors in the EFCA denomination. And we're talking about um, how do you go from being a traditional attraction oriented church where it's like, we've got cool stuff going on here. Come check out what we're doing. Come hear the worship, come hear the sermons. And, uh, and we're, and the, the, the shift, the idea is become a disciple making church, become a missional church where it's driven by, we go out and we reach out rather than we just, we put on a cool show and we attract people in. And what we've, what I, my opinion on it is there's a lot of churches that are talking about doing this. Um, but there's a lot of like a lot of it is, I just don't think a lot of churches are seeing very much success with it, or they're not doing very much in terms of making a shift. And as Ryan and I have been there talking to different pastors, there's, there's an element of surprise when we talk about, yeah, we've got 18 groups, 350 people in a group of, um, of you know, a church worth average tens of 400. And it's like, well, how are you, how are you doing? And we have to explain, not every group's perfect. Not every group has this amazing outreach. You know, there's people that fall through the cracks, all this but um, I think that the size of us being able to do it, most churches are doing like some traditional groups and then a few missional groups. And it's easy to recruit people to the traditional groups because that's what people tend to want. It's much more difficult to attract to the missional groups. And, um, and so even like much bigger churches in town that are trying to be missional have um, big Bible study-ish groups, growth groups or whatever, and then they have a much smaller number of the missional things. And I, I'm so encouraged that we, it was a risk the elders took in saying, let's try to shift the whole thing this direction. And let's say, let's move everybody into this. And let's try to get it to accomplish this. And I, it's not perfect. We have ways to go. But it's been really cool to see that. Um, another thing I think that makes our groups unique is we are seeing mission happen. And again, like not trying to make anything sound rosy. I know every single one of you is frustrated at some level on like, well, we need to see more of this or whatever. But we, we have 20, 30 families that are connected to Creekside, have either have never come in the church or they entered through the gospel communities. And that's huge. I mean, there's people being blessed, being cared for, that are eating meals with Creeksiders on a somewhat regular basis um, because of this shift. And I think that's huge. Um, I think the fact that we have like 50 to 60 leaders like represented in the church, like heading up these things, I think is huge for a church our size. I think that's like an amazing place to be. And I, I'll share in a sec, but I want to see more of that happening. I want us to be challenging more people to kind of step up and lead. I think we're going to need that in the next season here. But I, 
it's encouraging. I mean, I, I was in tears last year as we did the leadership meeting saying, like, how are there this many people that are saying, let's start this thing together? It's really cool. Uh, another thing that's been unique, I got to meet with the, um, uh, my counterpart at, like, Bridgeway, and they're doing some missional groups, and um, she was fascinated by what we're doing with the coaching structure. And, um, and so that, that needs some tweaking. We're going to keep working on that and everything. But just the fact that we're, um, I realized the first year how hard it is. I was like, oh, I'll be able to check in with 13 groups, no problem. But I am not nearly capable of like, doing that well. So we've, we've been doing coaching meetings. We've been um, reaching out to individual leaders. We're going to keep going with that. But I feel like that, that, that is a thing um, that makes it a little bit more scalable, whereas we add more groups and there's greater ability to kind of check in and learn from each other and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's been really cool. Um, I love, too, that we have, um, I put down party culture, and that sounds um, kind of ridiculous, but I, I love that, obviously, we are having the Bible study times and we're growing deeper and everything, but I love, I mean, just you guys saying, like, with all the kids and everything, ours is very similar with a lot of oh, chaos. Yeah, a lot of chaos, but it is, um, I always get good chances, and our kids are probably a little older in our group, but I always get good chances to talk to people. There's a few people in our group that are always chasing a kid around, but they're chasing their kids around wherever they are, right? It doesn't matter. And, um, and so we're able to, like, you know, walk the circuit with them as they're <laughs> trying to keep their kid from, like, smashing a window or something, you know? And, um, but I, I love that it's, there's celebration happening. There's just, hey, we're getting together. We're not trying to be more spiritual, like, that sounds terrible for a pastor to say. We're not trying to, we're not trying to, um, I think Christina said it well. It's not every conversation is structured with, um, we're going to go here, then here, then here, then here. We're just, we're talking. And, um, and I, I have found that makes our Bible study times richer. Um, and it helps me know where people are at better. So anyway, all those things, I'm just saying like, to kind of, after two years, look back and think of what we hope to see with the group and where we're at now, I feel like we've had some pretty cool wins with it, and I'm starting to see a culture that's setting in. And they, they've told us, as we've gone through these cohorts, they've told us you vastly overestimate what you can accomplish in the first year. So you think, like, oh, we'll do it one year, but, like, no, it's going to be really rough the first year usually. But they say you also highly underestimate what you can accomplish in the second, third, fourth, fifth years as you keep going with it. And I would just say, as we look ahead to next year, we're building off of not just a structure that's cool, but we're building off of a lot of um, success stories and failure stories also, right? And a much, I mean, think about it two years ago. Ryan and I and the elders were up there trying to say, hey, guys, we can do this. We've never done it before. We have no idea how it actually works, but this is a great idea, you know? And everyone's kind of like, ah, oh, we'll try it, right? Now we have like 50, 60 leaders that are experienced in this and know some successes and know some failures and that we can now build, keep building this culture upon and we're dealing with a congregation where 350 people have at least tasted kind of what it looks like, what it feels like, what it means. I mean, you know, we were, we were doing... Uh, public space, social space, sacred space, and I still think those are helpful terminologies, right? But it's, everyone's trying to conceptualize, what is that going to look like? I don't get what that means. Now people have tasted some version of that, right? And it's all, it looked different for every one of us, but we're, we're just building in a totally different spot. And so I feel like as we look ahead, there is growth that can happen, but we've sown, we've told some soil, we've sown some seeds, and I think we have, um, a lot more um, culture beginning to set in 
And I'm just, I'm just excited to see what God's going to do as we keep rolling with it. And I, I think every single group has um, weaknesses. And I think we could go around. Um, we did this kind of early on, I think around Christmas time, the first year of like, what are our weaknesses? We did the triangle up and out. And, uh, you know, how are we doing with, with keeping God as the focus and learning from him and everything else? How are we doing with the in of caring for each other? How are we doing with the out of reaching out to other people? And I, and I said, hey, what's, what's kind of missing or what's the weakest spot in each of your groups? And it was fascinating because all three were represented in different groups. Some were saying, we're great at caring for each other. We're not doing much reaching out. Some of the groups were saying, we're doing great at reaching out, but we don't, we're not really connecting with each other. And um, so we're all going to keep making tweaks. But I, I just feel like where we build and where we go, um, we have a much better like, you know, place that we're looking ahead on. So... So I just want to I want to share is just for looking ahead, and this will be real brief. Um, but we're going to talk a lot in the fall about the concept of family on a mission, and so that's um, uh, that's I think the the vision that we want to see for the church. We want to be a family, but we don't want to be a family that sits at home and you know just takes care of itself all the time. We want to be a family that's on a mission, right? We're so we're together, but there's a purpose and everything, and. Um, I, I kind of, I was kind of thinking. So when I'm, when we do our gospel community gatherings here, um, what I, what I do is there's, uh, there's people who plant, okay, and it's a perfectly acceptable thing. You go and you sit down and you talk to the same people the whole evening. It's a, it's a surefire way to like be comfortable and just have a great conversation like all night, right? I never sit when we do our gatherings when we're doing just the social ones because I'm talking to one group over here and then I'm having a great time. I mean, I could talk to any, any couple, any person at our gathering, I could talk to them all night, like anyone. Um, and I love it, but I'm always also like scanning a little bit and I'm looking for like, okay, who's kind of like off on the side, doesn't really have anyone to talk to, who can I kind of connect? And so, excuse me, so I will have conversation and then I'm, once they're good, I'm kind of slipping off over here and I'm having another conversation. And after a while, once I've kind of introduced them to a couple people that I'm slipping off. And I, I feel like that's kind of, that's the family on a mission thing, right? It's like, these people are my family. I love them. I could hang out with every single one of them. But there's also that mission of saying somebody else needs to be included. Someone else need like, someone could be sitting right here where I'm sitting and having the conversation I'm having. And they just need someone to come say like, hey, come, come on over here. Like, join us in this. Um, and it might mean me go talking to them over there for a while because they're not comfortable with it yet, but after a while. And, um, and I, I just, I kind of feel like that needs to, characterize our groups a little more as we go into this next year. Um, where, where we've kind of been is we started this thing with all of our best leaders um, already identified. We stepped up. We had this massive crew. And now we're into that territory of it's a little more unknown, right? There's people that maybe haven't led before or they've been capable, but they're too busy or they're new to the church or something like that. And so we don't totally know all the way. I think there's plenty of people that are very capable but we're just saying, um, okay, you guys are crushing it, I think. There's more work to do. We'll keep doing it. But it's, it's identifying the leaders. And I don't think it looks like a blind audition kind of a thing. I think that my preferred way would be that we all are kind of like looking at our groups and we're seeing who's there, who's contributing, who has the potential. doesn't mean that they're like necessarily ready for it yet. I think with Charlotte is a perfect example. Charlotte's humble, but it's so insane that she's humble because she's like accomplished more than any of us has, you know? Um, and so it's, it's kind of seeing someone say, oh, this potential is there. Come alongside me for a while and let's move it forward a little bit. And then when it, the time is right, then we're going to let you shine and, 
And then that, gives, that frees us up then to do maybe two things or to reach out a little bit more broadly. Um, one thing Ryan has shared before that I, I always love, and, I, I, and many of you guys probably know about this, but there's the, the Michael Breen um, invitation and challenge thing. So if you picture like two axes, the, the vertical axis is, um, is invitation. So high invitation, low invitation, and the horizontal is uh, challenge. High challenge, low challenge. So invitation is all about come be with me. Like join me in what I'm doing. This is going to be like come just, just be with me. It's comfortable. It's welcoming. It's grace-filled. It's arms around and everything that's cozy and good and welcoming. The challenge is hey, we need to grow, we need to change, we need to go out, we need to, there's something to be done, you can do better than this. And so if you think of the invitation and challenge, if you have neither invitation nor challenge, everyone's just apathetic and scattered and you know, it's just a waste of everyone's time. If you have just the invitation, high invitation, no challenge, everyone feels happy, right? Everyone feels welcome and warm, but nothing's, nothing's actually happening. It's, it's cozy, it's comfortable. And I think there's a real danger that we could enter a season where we're in that cozy culture of high invitation. Our groups are clicking. We kind of, maybe we even weeded out a few. We've attracted the ones that we want. We could stay here for years and years and years and be cozy and happy together. Um, and I, there's a part of me that says nothing wrong with that. Like I know people that have been the same Bible study, life group, small group thing for like 30 to 50 years. And there's a part of me that's like, that's incredible, right? Because that's a family, right? Um, but there's another part of me that says that can't be the whole thing because are you really growing if you're just sitting around having conversations with the same people for your entire life? Um, it's, a small, like, it's a small piece of the whole thing, but if that's the whole thing, um, there's got to be more growth. There's got to be challenge. Now, if you just have challenge and no invitation, then everyone gets burnt out. Everyone gets um, discouraged because you're just always like, do better, do better, go out, you go, you know? And so obviously the goal is we want to have the invitation and we have the challenge. And I think that's just another way of saying we want to be a family that's on a mission. And so I think this is where we need to be moving into next year is us as the existing leaders becoming more and more perceptive at both the invitation and the challenge where we're saying, come in, come join us. You can belong here. You are part of our family. We will care for you every time anything goes wrong. Um, But there's also that challenge of like, Hey, you know what? Like, and I, and I honestly, this is convicting. I can think of like three or four people in my group that I that would be so capable to send out and do a new thing, but I don't want to lose them. You know, like that. Like this is my excuse to see them, and so it is very convicting to me because it's like there's a there's a handful that I'm holding on to because I just some of them I would send happily, and some of them I'm like, ah, no, no, not, and. Um, but, it's, but it has to be that way, right? Because it's, it's not better for me to hoard them. It's not better for them to be hoarded and never have to step up. And it's certainly not best for the kingdom, right? And so um, 350 people is amazing. There's a lot more people than that in our church that need a family. There's a lot more people around, around our area that need a family. And so I, th- I think the challenge for us is culturally, I think we need to increase um, our invitation. I think we, I think, we started great, and I think some of us are still doing pretty good, but I have seen an overall, um, we're happy with how our groups are. So it's really cool for me hearing you guys both be like, yeah, it's time for us to multiply or start a new thing. Laura and I are like, we cannot end the summer without having at least two groups come out of our group. Um, and, uh, and so I, I just think that's, we've got to be able to keep inviting so that we can increase that challenge to multiply. Um, 
And I, I just want to see more of that happen. Now, there's stuff I want to do with um, uh, training, do, doing better at training and stuff. Like I, I, this year was a learning thing for me of realizing, yeah, we invested a ton into training the first year. And this year, I was a little more like, oh, you want to do a group? Like, sweet, go for it. We know how this works. And then it's like, oh, shoot, I forgot we did a bunch of training and everything else. So there's more of that. But um, and, and I'm not saying I, I, I believe in the long-term relationships and everything. It's just... It's just keeping those things in play and being the shepherds that you guys are to say like to know when someone's ready, um, but to not let your, you know, sentimentality keep our group stagnant. I think if if we look at the the future of Creekside, we could be a church that uh, like you can you can picture this church, I think, in your head of a church. They're all everyone in there is pretty old. OK, they all know each other super well. There's not any young or new people that come into that church ever, but they are doing fine. They like everything's dialed in the way that they like it. And it's always awkward for someone else coming in because they figured out what they like. I think we can picture churches like that. I think it's possible for Creekside to become like we could be those older people in Creekside, right? Who have it dialed in because we like each other and we like what's happening. Um, but I, I want to see a culture of movement where it's, um, it's, it's love, it's family, but just like, um, just like any good family is going to have seasons and it's going to send a kid to college and it's going to whatever, right? Um, I think there needs to be more, a little more expectation of movement and sending and, um, and you know, even some collaboration and stuff like that. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's basically what I wanted to say. So I think, I think it's the invitation, it's, and I think that, that can't just come with uh, Ryan or I or any of the elders standing up in front of the church saying like, hey guys, be inviting people in. I think I would love to see you guys as leaders setting the tone in the invitation side. Come join our group, come join our group. And I would love to see you guys finding ways to invest in that culture within your group of, hey, we're a group that invites people. Like, there's always an empty chair in our group. You know, we could have at least one more person here. Um, and so just, just kind of like, just kind of cultivating that culture within our groups of the invitation. And then I think it's just us like thinking through like, who are the potential leaders? And I think what that could look like, I mean, there might be some people that are just ready to rock and roll, but it could be like, you know what, in a year, this person could be ready. So I'm going to intentionally bring them into kind of how we make decisions, how we do scheduling, kind of the thought process behind the group um, and, uh, and just helping them think it through. But a key that I've learned this year is as we're identifying leaders and we're finding people that are saying, hey, I'd be willing to start a group, the first question we have to ask every one of those people is, who, who are you going to do it with? Um, because as we've sent out a couple people to do it, they've been deer in the headlights of like, uh, where do I start, right? So you've got to think, who am I going to do it with? And if you can invite in a couple of people, then you're going to be fine, you know? But if you're stuck there. So that's, that's the whole thing. Identify the person. Help them think through the process and what they want to do. Help them think through who do they want to do it with. It, it probably is going to mean sending some of your best people to go and you know start a new thing or whatever. But I, I really feel like that's going to be in general our healthiest approach to, to kind of just keeping caring for our folks. So, all right, and that's it. From there, we just prayed um, for the coming year. And so I'd encourage you, if you're listening on at home, just um, take some time to really pray for this summer for next year. Um, and just as I said in the recording that, uh, we overestimate what we can accomplish in the first year. We underestimate what we can accomplish in the second, third, fourth, fifth years. And so as we look ahead to the third year now of gospel communities, um, I would love for us all just to be in deep prayer about, 
um, God continuing to work through these groups in ways that we could never plan or expect ourselves. And also just praying for those people to raise up to say, I want to be a leader. I want to um, bring movement to these groups. And so just strategizing, thinking of who could those people be and what would it look like to get them ready to take that step. But also um, just praying that God would nudge hearts, that God would give us wisdom. And that as we come into the fall, that this is just going to be a great ministry that God's going to use to help Creekside Church be truly what he designed the church to be. 